0: Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, October 30th, 2022, called called By His Name, Reformation Sunday, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 and verse 31. I appeal to you that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. As it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours in Jesus Christ. This is a day where I actually would encourage you to to take this guy out. I mean, I know it'll be projected on here. But I've got a kind of a method in my madness that I want to share with you here on on these just kind of notes on this. It's always... It's always kind of tricky doing stuff on Reformation Day cuz sometimes it sounds like you're just going woohoo, you know, it's like cheerleading for being Lutheran. Yeah, you know, and it's not the not the deal. It's not the deal. We went on a trip to Germany to kind of see some of these historic places that are part of the Lutheran Reformation or the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. It's interesting because you can make the case, especially in western civilization, that this event was one of the two or three most important significant events in Western civilization. A lot of it is about the development of individual conscience. You know, Luther says, unless I can't go against conscience or the word of God or pure reason. It also puts the word of God into the hands of regular people in their own language. It's a big, big deal. Um, Studying it for themselves, coming to their own conclusions about what God is teaching. Um, It it advances education in some pretty startling ways. It also begins to lower the divide between nobility and peasant. It starts to change that. Luther talks about a priesthood of all believers. It starts to take out the hierarchy in the church. Um, You know, we don't have like bishops and cardinals and I'm just you. I'm just from you. You asked me to do this. So it's your own fault. No. So really, I mean, our pastors come from among us. That's how that is. Um, and so it's, a lot of things change. It's a big, big deal. So I want to show you some pictures from this. I'll go through them real quick. I, I want to go through them fairly quickly. So I want to show you a couple of, of photos. Do you have those, Pam? Oh, you can keep going. Let's see. Let's get to the next one. I'll look back. So there's that. It's a painting of that. Go to the next slide of Luther nailing. That's the actual door. It's a little town called Wittenberg. Um, When I say little, it's about Pocatello size. A little smaller. Um, Beautiful, clean, lovely. Former East Germany. Most of the stuff that took place in the Reformation, former East Germany. Um, And so many of the sites weren't maintained super great for a long time until the communists learned you could make money doing it. And they made money off of it. So that's, isn't that interesting? A little ironic. So anyway, that's the door. That's the door. It was like a public square, right? If you said, hey, we want to talk. I want to I announce, hey, I got a band coming to town. Or I lost my cat. Or we want to have a great discussion about something. Um, that's what Luther's doing. He says, I want to have a... There's some things happening I think we ought to talk about. Does anybody want to talk about this stuff? That's what it was. So it wasn't this big revolution. He wasn't throwing a Molotov cocktail. He's not a terrorist. He's um, never wanted to leave the church, loved his church. Just said, I think some things are going goofy. And the biggest single one was there had been this development of a fundraising tool called indulgences. And So you could buy an indulgence to get a loved one out of purgatory or get him out of hell. So you could pay for it, you know, so... It would be kind of like you show up here and you say, hey, if you want me to pronounce the forgiveness of sins, 50 bucks, $100, what's that, what's that worth you? Million dollars, whatever, you know. And Luther just goes, what? Um, this seems goofy. So um, that's the door. He just wanted a discussion. Okay, we'll go faster now. So that says Ein That's at the same church as the castle church. Ein is German for a mighty fortress. So that's kind of the hymn that, that became a huge deal. And what's interesting was it wasn't about revolution when we talked about Reformation, uh, Re- the mighty fortress. It was Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. That was really what Luther was trying to say, the Reformation. We're just going to trust in God alone. How about that? Can we do that? Um, so next one. Um, so that's Gutenberg Museum. It, history buffs, Gutenberg printing press, next slide. There's a, just a drawing of one. Obviously, none survived. They're all wooden and all of that, but lots of replicas. And there are probably two reasons that the Reformation took place, that succeeded, that it actually resulted in change. Because Luther's by far not the first. There are, there are a number of reformers before him. But they didn't have a prince to protect them, and they didn't have a printing press to get out the word. And so for those two reasons, guys, guys can argue with me. That's okay. I love, I love the argument. It's fabulous history. Those two reasons, Luther has someone to protect him. Go to the next slide. That's where he was protected in a castle when his life was, you know, they had a, a death warrant out on him. He was hidden by the prince, Prince Frederick of Saxony, and uh, which is interesting. He never converted, never became Lutheran, devout Catholic all his life. Uh, but he protected Luther because he says it's not right you should have this conversation whether you agree or disagree you should have the conversation he's my subject you can't just pick him up cuz you'll just kill him so that's a new thing by the way that's a new thing in the world the prince protects him and you have the printing press which gets out thousands of these of the stuff and so he begins to be read so a big wave starts to happen okay anyway uh, let me tell you what happened in that castle luther translates the new testament into german radical it's weird on the first hand because speaking German sounds like you're spitting all the time. So it seemed uncouth, you know, to be doing the word of God with all these, you know, all of that, right? So they didn't like that. They thought that was bad. It had to be in Latin and so forth. But it was a way of controlling when it was in Latin because people couldn't read Latin. There would be, often be only one Bible in a town, in a whole town, be chained into the, into the university. Because you couldn't afford it. You know, a I'm printing press, but it was in Latin. And Luther goes, no way. Everyone should hear God's word. Everyone should have access to God's word. And it is revolutionary because there were all kinds of forms of German. And Luther's translation of the New Testament makes a standard form of German. It's considered one of the two or three greatest works in, in German uh, literature. Um, he standardizes the language. Anyway, and it's a challenge. It's a wrestling match. You're, you're reading this Greek and you're saying, how do I say that? How do I say that word? So anyway... Um, that's a cool thing. He does it while he's in hiding. Um, And one of the great gifts, because I say this often, not often enough, about once a year, twice a year, I'll say to you, you have the word of God. Check me. Check me. Make sure that what I'm saying is faithful to God's word. If it's not, you need to tell me. You need to challenge me because you have the word of God. And God gave you a mind and reason and faith. And so... That's, that's, that's part of our faith tradition. Okay, next one. Oh, isn't that fun? Okay, you can go on. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's Luther's home church. This is interesting. Another neat fact, Luther sat right there where you are. He wasn't the pastor of this church. The guy's name was Bugenhagen, uh, was the pastor. He, sat, he was you. He sat right there. Now, he'd get asked to preach a lot. I mean, it's kind of cool. You got a guy like that. Hey, you want to preach next Sunday? Yeah, you know, I mean... That's pretty cool. But he was a member. He was a professor in the university and a member. Um, and so he had a pastoral heart. He cared for people, but he was not called to be the pastor. He had a pastor. So I, I think that some people don't know that. I think they don't realize that. So anyway, that was his church, St. Mary's. See, he didn't say you should change the name either. That's cool. Next one. Oh, I put it, that in there because I thought, hey, should we install one of those here? That, you know, <laughs> you got like 15 steps. <laughs> that's the pastor goes up in there. And that's how they could be seen and heard to preach. No microphones, right? There's a big sounding board. That thing above is a sounding board for acoustics. Okay, you can go on. Um, Gutenberg Bible. That's kind of cool. Printing press. Next one. This is neat. When, when at Luther's era, people didn't sing in church, which we find weird. Because we all, well, some of you don't sing in church either. Shame on you. But anyway, just kidding, because we don't care how you sound, right? It actually, it doesn't matter what we think. God doesn't care. Uh, God is delighted with uh, the, the cries of our heart, right? So anyway, but this is a new thing. This is, this is a little revolutionary. The only people who sang in church was either like the cantor or a choir. And Luther, is a hymnal. That, and Luther wrote dozens of hymns. Some of them are horrible to sing. Some of them are really great. Um, but he was a musician, and, uh, and wrote songs. So anyway, he, he encouraged people to sing. My dear wife, who's a choir director, oh, and we're still on the hunt for sopranos, right? Is that fair? Okay, got any sopranos? Come sing in the choir. She needs, we need some help at Christmas. All right. But I sing in the choir because she makes me. <laughs> and I, um, we sang one today. I just couldn't get through. I just cried. <laughs> anyway, is that true for any of you? where music just hits you in a different way, it just brings out something different. Luther says that. He has a great quote on on that, how music goes. Okay, we can go to the next one. I'm taking too much time. That's where Luther lived. It was cool. It was a monastery, and it got given to him and his dear wife. Next picture. That's Katie von Bora. That was his wife. Former monk, former nun. It was hugely scandalous when they got married. It was terrible. It was a thing. But she ran that place. She ran that place. She was always mad at Martin because he was always giving away stuff because they had all kinds of students living with him and they didn't have any money, right? So he's always giving him stuff. And he would say to her, one of my favorite quotes, Katie, God is rich, he'll give us more. (laughs) Yeah, I say that to my wife. (laughs) Um, This is cool. I should have cropped this better. It's hard to see. Luther's in a pulpit. And then there's the people. Look at how he's preaching. What do you see? He preaches through Christ, right? Through the sacrifice of Christ, right? Through the love of Christ. That's the, that's the meaning of that picture. Um, it's, that's pretty cool. That's our goal. That's our goal. In fact, you know... Um, this is kind of, I, I, I hope you don't, aren't bored to death in what I'm doing here, but that it's kind of interesting a little bit. But if you go out saying, wow, I learned a bunch of things about the Reformation I never knew, and don't say, wow, what a great Jesus we have. Then I failed. Then I failed. Let's get to that part. Let's go to the next one. Oh, that's Bach. Oh, it's just Bach. Yeah. <laughs> He's 100 years later, very Lutheran. His theology comes through It's in all his music. Let's go to the next one. That's the one I want to end with, yeah. So this is interesting. We got to this place. Kim Herning told me where it was, Erfurt. Two churches. Originally, they go through seasons, these churches. One was Roman Catholic, the other was the princes, and they got into competition. Then there was an era where it was Catholic, and then the other one was Lutheran. And they competed. Like one group, one would have an expansion to the church; the other one would do a bigger expansion. Then the one would do ch- steeple. The next one would do a taller steeple, and the next one they did that. How do you think? What do you think? Good plan, right? No. You know what's interesting? Because I'm going to talk about this. I'll, I'll give. I'll put it in context. It's um, like in our traditional service. It looks pretty Catholic. Roman Catholic, it looks pretty Catholic. We have an organ, we have a choir. I wear a robe. You know, we have vestments and we do things. We, You know, we have you come up and kneel for communion. We do that in this service too. We do a confession. And we have, it looks the same. It looks a lot alike. But it's what's happening inside that's different. That's what I found interesting here. It's what hap- not on the outside that matters. It's what's happening inside that matters. So if you're following along on your outline, here's what I want to talk about. Because as I say, in my Life in Christ class, I say, God is not interested in making Lutherans. That is the truth. He wants followers of Jesus Christ. That's all he's interested in. Having said that, there are certain ways that we look at things that I value. And I wanna tell you what that means. That's why I say, if you take notes on this, if somebody ever says, why do you go to that Lutheran church, you can say, well. So I have a weird name, uh, Dinger. Uh, I got teased a lot as a kid. I don't even like my first name as a kid. Jonathan's too long. Sounded snooty, effeminate, something. I didn't like it. So anyone who knows me from way back then, they all call me John, which my mother despised. She was so angry because she said, I didn't name you that. You know, that's what I got. But Dinger was bad. There are songs that came out in my era and they were, it's bad. It's bad. And so I didn't like my name. In fact, when, when, even as an adult, when I got uh, my first call to a church in the Seattle area, you know what the senior pastor's name was? Vic Hippie. So we had a hippie and a dinger. It was weird. But then I found out, did you know that in baseball, you know what a dinger is? It's a home run, baby. So I'm telling you what. Um, and that, that hasn't been that term forever. So when I uh, got into college and I started playing softball, and I have played a, a lot of softball, some years I was on four or five different teams, I just loved playing softball, and I said, I'm gonna hit me some dingers. And that's what I did. In fact, I still, I even hit one in, when I was 61. So probably there are no more in my future, but, um, and I only had one, but I was pretty proud of myself. What I'm telling you is I leaned into the name because my name was used in certain quarters in high school and middle school as an insult, especially because my mom was the principal. So I got teased a lot. So as an adult, I decided to lean into the insult. That's what I'm trying to do here with Lutheran because Lutheran is an insult. Did you know that? It was used as an insult, a swear word. It was like a swear word, um, those Lutherans, because... Right, Luther was a heretic. He was a revolutionary. He was kind of considered a, you know, he was a horror. He was despicable in the Catholic Church. You know, they just hated him, and uh, he was he was uh, excommunicated. His life, he had a death warrant on him, and all of that. And so, this is me leaning into the name, saying, "Okay, you're going to insult me?" Because like that was another one. I was always called a humdinger. You know, I've never heard that joke before, right? But Lutherans. So please don't read me wrong here. This is not rah-rah for Luther. I'm telling you what it means when we say, I'm Lutheran, or I go to a Lutheran church. This is what we mean. Okay, point number one. Oh, and let me tell you, let me read you something from Luther himself, okay? In the fr- this is Luther's writing. I ask that men make no reference to my name. Let them call themselves Christians, not Lutherans. What's Luther? After all, the teaching is not mine. Neither was I crucified for anyone. Paul says that, right? We just heard it in the reading we had in Corinthians. Um, Paul in 1 in, uh, Corinthians would not allow the Christians to call themselves followers of Paul or followers of Peter. But Christian, how then should I, poor stinking maggot fodder that I am, as typical Luther, uh, come to have men call the children of Christ by my wretched name? Not so. Let us abolish all party names and call ourselves Christians, after him whose teaching we hold. I neither am nor want to be anyone's master. I hold, together with the universal church, the one universal teaching of Christ, who is our only master. Amen? All right, that's the deal. Now, a second, that's in 1522, five years after he nailed up the theses. Then, but he says something else here. He says some people like to say, well, I'm not really, I, I don't really care about what Luther says. I just follow Jesus. Here's what he has to say about that. He says, finally, I see I must add a good word of admonition to those who the devil has now begun to persecute, right? People are persecuting them for being Protestants, Lutherans. For there are some among them who think that when they are attacked, they can escape the danger by saying, I don't hold with Luther or with anyone else, but only with the Holy Gospel and the Holy Church. For saying so, they think they will be left in peace. Yet in their hearts, they regard my teaching as the teaching of the gospel and stand by it. In reality, this kind of statement doesn't help. It is, in fact, a denial of Christ, right? Do you get how he's saying it? Because if Luther's preaching Christ... And you deny Luther, you deny Christ. A plus B, B plus B B equals C, right? That's that kind of thing. So he says, just be cautious. He says, whether Luther is a rascal or a saint, I don't care. His teaching is not his, but Christ's. So that's kind of the idea that he talks about. here. So I'm leaning into the name. Here's five things. The first one is Lutherans stand on a firm and clear foundation. And here, let me make this. I didn't say this at 830. It's a good thing. I'm embracing the insult. I'm leaning into the name. To be honest, that's what you do as Christians too. Because you lean into the cross. who Which is an offense to the Jews and a stumbling block to the Greeks, right? It was an offense. We're going to lean into the, into the insult. Because that's what it was. Okay, fine. You want to insult me? Here's what that means. Here's the first thing. Lutheran standard. Of, and by the way, out of these things, I'll bet you... Because I have a pastor's group we about 10 of us that meet every week. They would agree with all of these. They might differ with one point. I'll, I'll share it with you here. They might differ with me on, and well, they would differ with me on one point. I'll talk to you about it. But this first one, see those? Latin, word alone, scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, all together, Christ alone, right? All together, Christ alone, only Christ. So the first one is Lutherans stand on a firm and clear foundation. It's not wishy-washy, it's not up for debate, This is our foundation, word alone. John 17, 17, Jesus' own words. Your word is truth. It's all we need. We don't need more. And we won't accept less. Just that word. The cool thing about that is, I mean, think metaphorically, especially with John. And all we need is the word made flesh. Just that. Second thing. So that's our only authority. No additional writings. I like C.S. Lewis a lot. Doesn't speak with authority into my life. Just just God's word. And if it doesn't command it or forbid it, we don't fight about it. Not not allowed to fight about it. Second one, grace alone. For it is by grace you have been saved, right? Ephesians 2, 9. for it is by grace you've been saved. The word grace in Greek means gift. It means gift, not wage right? Not earnings, not dividends. Gift, pure and simple, sheer gift, nothing more, no strings attached, nothing, just grace. It is by grace you've been saved through faith, we'll get to that, and even that faith is a gift, is what Paul says. Not by works, why? So you can't boast. No showing off, except for showing off in who? In Christ, right? If you boast, boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. Okay, so grace alone, it's just grace that saves us, nothing else. It's not you plus, you know, my year in Bible camp. It's not me plus I'm a tither. It's not me plus, oh, I got baptized, you know, I'm in. Um, It's not me plus nothing. It's just Jesus. The other stuff, what a wonderful bonus that God gives us, all that other stuff. Third thing, though, faith alone. It's only faith that can take hold of this crazy thing. For the message of the cross is foolishness. The wise people of this world say, what are you idiots doing in that building on Sunday morning? What a bunch of fools. I'm going to be a fool for Christ, thank you very much. And so faith alone is what takes hold of that. It's only faith that takes that, that says that me, undeserving, unearned, is still gifted by God to be called his child and to be given his grace. Undeserved unearned. It's only faith that takes that and holds it and clings to it like a man drowning beneath the waves. Second point. Lutherans know we're saint and sinner at the same time. Romans 7 and 8. I commend this to you, people of God. Read it once a year at least, every month even better. It's fabulous. I just discovered at a conference that many, many people in Romans 7, Paul does this. And none of you have ever done this, Right? You're praying and you're going, Lord, how come I keep doing this junk that I hate doing? How do I do that? I know better. I know better. I want to follow you. And I keep doing this stuff. This person just sets me off and I just, I can't stand them. Or I can't forgive that person or they don't deserve or whatever. And I'm a jerk and I know better. I should have grace and forgiveness and mercy in my life. Here's how Paul says it. The good that I want to do, I don't do. And the evil that I know I shouldn't be doing, and I keep doing this. And then he says, and it makes me weep, wretched man that I am, who will save me? That's seven. Anyone relate? Got any takers? If you don't, go back and read it. It's powerful to me. It's honest. And then he says, but therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. you got to read chapter 8. If you only read 7, you'll be lost. You despair. You read chapter 8. I'm in Christ. He doesn't condemn me. Not because of me. Because of him. Nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ. And this line, it's in chapter 8 too. If God wouldn't spare even his own son for you, how will he not also give you all things? So the second one, the second one here is Lutherans. And see, this is the thing. We struggle in this era right now, so polarized, of people holding two things in their mind at the same time. We are saint and sinner at the same time. I am broken in my nature. I continue to wrestle with sin, but thanks be to God. And the devil loves to accuse me. Loves to accuse me. And I love to listen. And Jesus comes along and says, you are mine. Washed cleansed. You are mine. Come home. Welcome home. Come home. Third thing, Lutherans treasure their baptism in the Lord's Supper. All Christians do. Please don't read me wrong on this. I'm not, but it's weird for Lutherans in this sense. I tell people, and maybe this is too crass, this is a big herkin deal. I mean, we don't do the Lord's Supper casually. It's not a buffet. It's a table set by Christ himself with his own body and blood. It's a big deal. It's a foretaste of the heavenly banquet. Your baptism is important because you didn't do a thing to get it. You might say, I did. Yeah, I did. I walked up there. I gave my heart to Jesus. Yeah, that little black shriveled up thing. That was good nice present. God made it new. God made it alive. In baptism, Titus 3, love it. Ah, Where did I put it? Where is it here? When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing, right? There's your baptism word, through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, declared innocent before God, we might become heirs, written into the will, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. There's about eight gifts there. Which one of them did you earn? Not one. God gave them. We're, this is a big deal for us. Baptism's a big deal for us. It's not the day that you gave your heart to Jesus. It's the day God poured out his gifts on you of grace. You may have just also happened to give in your heart to Jesus too. Thank God. More important that God did the work. If you did the work, how, will you ever be sure? Ever sure? 100%? When you know God did the work. So baptism in the Lord's Supper, foretaste of heaven. Christ meets us here with his own body and blood. Why does that matter to us? Because if Christ's Christ's body and blood are there, his gifts are there too. You can be sure. It's not a symbol. We're not just remembering. We are remembering. It's not just remembering. It's Christ meeting us for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus' own words at at the Last Supper. Take and drink, all of you, from this cup. This is the cup of the new covenant. It's a new covenant in my blood which is poured out for many, what does it say next? For the forgiveness of sins. So you receive forgiveness at that place, at that table, at Christ's invitation. So it's a big herkin deal. Fourth, Lutherans love to do good works in response to God's grace, not as a way to earn God's love and favor. I tell people in my life in Christ class, for nine weeks, I teach them all about God and the brokenness of the world and who's our Savior, and how did we know about him from the Old Testament, and how did he save us in the crucifixion, the resurrection. I talk about the Holy Spirit. I talk about baptism. I talk about the Lord's Supper. And then I say, come to the next one. It'll change your life. Now, I hope the ones on Jesus change their life first. But session 10 will change your life, because that's the one where I say, stop trying to earn God's grace. Your whole life is just thank you. He's already done it all. And when we act as if he hasn't done it all, we offend him. We take away from what he has done for us. Lutherans are big on their whole life as a thank you. Your whole life is a thank you. What can he do? What has he done? And then last thing is this. First Corinthians chapter 2 When I came to you, brothers, I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Lutherans stand on Christ alone. Just Jesus. Always Jesus. No one but Jesus. And in this world in which you are asked to find your value in all kinds of places, wherever you think you can find it, Wherever you can get your mind to go or do whatever you want or whatever you feel, Lutherans are adamant about this. We find our value in Christ. It's not self-esteem. It's Christ-esteem. You want to know how much you're worth? Check it out. Check it out. He did that for you. To God be the glory, I pray today. To God be the glory, always and only, in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.